Lord, as we, as we seek your face, O oh God, and make our commitments to you, we know, God, that you are good. We know that your mercy endures forever. We thank you for your faithfulness, O oh God. We thank you that we can rest the weight of our lives in your hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Isn't it good to trust the Lord in this new year? You think if you're not trusting God, well, what are you trusting? Are you trusting in yourself? Are you trusting in your circumstances? Are you trusting in other people? What a difference it makes to trust in the Lord because we know that whoever trusts in the Lord is never disappointed. First Sunday of the new year, and this is Communion Sunday, and uh, we're asking our children to stay with us to be part of the worship service on Communion Sunday and to participate uh, in communion. And so we're grateful to have uh, children uh, with us in worship today. Please turn this morning to a very important scripture to begin the new year. Proverbs, the third chapter. As we want wisdom for the new year, we think about what we need in uh, 2014 what we would like to have in 2014. And uh, certainly we would all like uh, more financial resources, wouldn't we? We would like more opportunities. We would like more uh, challenging experiences. But above all things, uh, it will be wisdom that will help us to make good, godly decisions to set our priorities and to do what God wants us to do. You know, God makes some astounding promises regarding wisdom. Notice how Proverbs 3 starts out, My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many days and bring you prosperity. What's going to prolong your life? Give you a greater quality of life. What will actually bring you prosperity, both spiritual and material prosperity? Well, the wisdom of God will. Wisdom. How important it is. And at this time of the year, as we make uh, New Year's resolutions, and it's a, good, it's a good thing to do, to look over our lives and see where we need to make changes. But you know, so many of our resolutions are just about uh, feeling better, uh, looking better, being healthier, uh, having more things, getting along better with other people, realize that wisdom is the key to the quality of life that only God can give. As Jesus promised, that we will have abundant life in Him. John 10, 10. And so, I want us to take some time this morning to uh, look at some of the principles here in Proverbs chapter 3 that relate directly to our need for wisdom and uh, the kind of principles that we need to hold dear that will enable us to make decisions that will honor God and enable us to really move forward in the abundant life that He's called us to. What happens uh, if we lack wisdom? What happens if we really neglect the principles that we know that are true. Well, it's no surprise to us that uh, many people who think that their 
problems will be solved with uh, more money, more power, more pleasure, are soon disappointed. Every year it seems like uh, there are additional stories about uh, people who were so excited that they won the lottery. And only in a matter of a few years, they find themselves in worse condition than they were before. One of the uh, worst stories is uh, David Lee Edwards, 46 years old, in uh, Westwood, Kentucky. He said he didn't have enough money to uh, buy his fiance dinner at McDonald's. But they splurged and bought a $7 lottery ticket, and he won $181 million. Took the early payout, lump sum payoff, $27 million. Against uh, the advice of uh, his financial advisor, he uh, went on a great spending uh, spree. Gambling, cars, mansions. He bought a mansion in Florida and a mansion in California, and he realized he needed a jet to fly back and forth. So within three years, he was not only broke, but $200,000 in debt. Everything had been lost, stolen, or repossessed. And uh, he died alone from uh, complications, from a very serious uh, drug addiction. How is it that uh, without wisdom, regardless of how great our resources, we cannot have the, the quality of life. We cannot have the, the strength and the stability that it takes. How wonderful it is to have wisdom which comes from God. You know, I can't think about wisdom without remembering Wayne Ehlert, who was my high school teacher, who taught us Proverbs over and over again. How many of you think it's important to teach high school students Proverbs? Well, he had a passion about it. And he used to say, pray every day two things. Pray that God will give you the right life partner. Is that important? And he said, pray every day that God will give you wisdom. Well, most of you know my life partner, and you know that God answered that prayer. And let me tell you, I'm still praying for the wisdom part. <laughs> every day, every challenge, every decision, every opportunity. You know, uh, it's amazing that uh, God promises certain things about uh, wisdom. And uh, please notice that... <clears throat> The scripture is very clear about this, that wisdom always begins with the fear of the Lord. Now, how does that work? The fear of the Lord. Well, it's only when we recognize who God is and we recognize his sovereignty and his authority in the, that we can begin to see life from a perspective that truly makes sense. In fact, one of the best definitions of wisdom I ever heard is simply that wisdom is seeing life from God's perspective. You think about how powerful that is. How many of you want uh, God's thoughts more than you want your own thoughts or simply the thoughts of man? We want God's thoughts. And we can't have them without really seeking His wisdom. Second, we realize that there is that wisdom which comes from God James 3 says that it is the gift of God that comes from God and manifests, its, it manifests itself in righteousness and goodness. But there is a kind of worldly wisdom 
a counterfeit for the wisdom of God, which is evil and uh, self-serving and ultimately leads to destruction. And so we've got to choose between the wisdom that comes from God and the wisdom which is really moving in the world as a very powerful influence. The third thing we see is it's amazing to me that wisdom, truly, again from the book of James, wisdom from God, as wonderful and glorious and important and valuable as it is, it's available to us based on our request. Isn't that something? And yet, if we neglect that request, then we suffer. We have not because we ask not. So think about the foolishness of this, that God has promised wisdom at a simple request in prayer, and we don't bother to ask. How many of you would have to admit that you made at least one decision this last year, maybe even an important decision, without really pausing to ask God for wisdom? Every day, every decision. Sometimes we think, well, I can make these decisions over here because they're not that important. I'm going to wait for the real... No, all of our decisions, a way of life. And you can see a life that uh, truly is blessed with the wisdom of God. In the book of Proverbs that's so full of wisdom about wisdom. You know, as we look at Proverbs, and a lot is said about wisdom and foolishness. And one of the interesting differences, now get this, one of the interesting differences between the fool and the wise man is, listen to this, the fool doesn't even learn from his own mistakes. The wise man is able to learn from the mistakes of others. How many of you like the, the wise way? To be able to look at life from God's perspective and learn from every experience and every other person's experience. And that's how wisdom just grows and grows and grows. I heard a simple story about uh, wisdom being manifest as it is both profound and it's very uh, practical. The supernatural wisdom. Remember, it's profound, but it's practical in that it gives us everyday answers. <clears throat> there was uh, a father, quite wealthy, who was grieved over his two sons and how they were fighting to have the larger portion of his estate. And by the time he died, he had not yet resolved how he would divide up his estate between his two sons. And so, in his will, he simply asked for his wise and godly friend to resolve the division of the state with these two sons. And the sons were waiting uh, for the meeting and certainly wanting to do all they could to get the largest portion possible. Well, this uh, friend, godly friend, called them together and he said, well, I have a simple plan for the division of your father's estate. He said to the oldest son, he said, because you're the oldest, I want you to divide the estate. The other one just gasped. And he said, and after you divide the estate, the estate, I want your younger brother to pick the first part. Is that wisdom? It was resolved. It was resolved. And that's the way wisdom provides a practical answer, a solution that gives peace that gives a sense of God's purpose. 
We need that kind of wisdom <laughs> this year as we face our challenges. Well, there's so much in Proverbs chapter 3. Can I challenge you to take some time to study it at the beginning of this new year? Study about wisdom. We're going to look at 10 principles here, only 10. There are many more in this proverb which will be very helpful. They will be profound and they will be practical. <clears throat> okay, let's consider these wonderful principles. As we see the foundation here in the first two verses, now in verse 3, here is the first principle, and that is simply, let love and faithfulness never leave you. As the scripture says, bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Isn't it something that as we're taught about wisdom, that the first principle isn't about knowledge, isn't about skill, isn't about anything worldly or material, but it's about love and faithfulness. That kind of resonates with everything God has said to us about the importance of loving Him and loving others. Do you know there's real, there's real wisdom in love? love is, loving is always the best way, the best approach. And how is it that love and faithfulness go together? They're inseparable. In our culture, we think of love as a feeling and faithfulness as a behavior, yet the Bible puts them together. There is no true love without faithfulness. And there's no, there's no reason for faithfulness without love. How can a marriage or a family make it without love and faithfulness? How many of you know by now that love, the feeling of love, isn't enough in any relationship? But faithfulness, faithfulness, which is grounded in love, manifests the wisdom of God. It's a firm and a confident belief in God. And basic, a basic way of living life, which is, God loves me, and so I'm going to love everybody else. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that simple? Isn't that a great way to live? I love God. I love others. Why? Because God loves me and loves others through me. Second principle in verses 5 and 6. And yes, we could spend the whole morning on this. Trust in the Lord with your whole heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. Wow. How many of you have, a, have, have that on a plaque at home? Many of us do. Because it's the kind of statement that you can really build your life on. To trust in the Lord. To be confident in Him. Acknowledge Him in all of our ways. What does it mean to acknowledge God? Well, sometimes we overlook this, but to admit that what He said is true, to confess Him, to recognize the authority of His claims, to recognize His answer when it comes, to express thanks, to verify His gifts, His, His blessings, to be ready to encourage others to trust Him. How important it is 
for us to put him first. Now, we all know that we're going to be facing some challenging decisions this next year. How many of you would like God's help in those decisions rather than just to make them on your own? How many of you would rather hear from God than just take a survey of your friends' opinions? You know, don't we all do that? We kind of shop around to hear the friends that agree with us. There's sometimes when you might find that what you want to do and most people want to do is contrary to what you know is right before God. You'll never be disappointed if you trust in the Lord and let Him guide you in your decisions. Third principle, verses 7 and 8. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. What is this? This is a warning about the very subtle temptation of pride that takes over all of us if we're not careful and discerning and sensitive to how that works. Uh, C.S. Lewis talks about this at various uh, places in his writings, and it's interesting uh, how he talks about the deception of pride in that the devil tries to tempt us with pride, and if he can't succeed in that, he tries to convince us of our humility. And once we become proud of our humility, he's won the game. Isn't that the way it works? <laughs> Listen, our minds are no match for Satan's skill in deceiving us regarding pride. It's only as we humble ourselves before the Lord and we realize that if we are becoming great in our own eyes, something is wrong. Isn't it amazing how the closer we get to God, the more we grow? John the Baptist said it this way, I decrease, he increases. <laughs> and those people that have been walking with God and are mature in their faith, it's like they've kind of disappeared and we see God in them and we know they're there. We see their personality, but somehow their life is about God and His purpose, His glory. How, what's the cure for self-centeredness? The cross. That's the, only, that's the only cure that God has given us. And so daily we deny ourselves. We take up our cross. And God manifests Himself in us and through us. <clears throat> Fourth principle, verses 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled. And we realize here is a very practical bit of advice regarding our material resources. We realize, wow, you know that believers have been obeying this through since the beginning of time. The very first family that was created in every family since it looking to God, honoring to God with their material goods. You know, we already had our offering this morning and how wonderful it is for us to begin the new year by presenting an offering to God. What do we do? Well, we say, God, you're our source. You are our priority. Your kingdom is important. And as we honor him with our tithe and with our offering, 
Somehow it puts things in order materially in our lives where we have a basis for managing and stewarding all the resources that God has given us in a responsible way. It's the beginning of a new year, and it's, a good, it's good for us this week, this month, to reestablish our priorities of giving God first fruits of His provision. And then beyond that, as we give the gift above the tithe for the ministry and the needs of others. And so, you know, to the material mind, tithing and giving doesn't make much sense. But as we grow in God's wisdom, it makes perfect sense for us to put Him first and to give that gift. Principle number five. This is a very important one. Verses 11 and 12. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline. Do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father. As a father, the son he delights in. What is this about? The discipline of the Lord. Is God so interested and so active in our lives that he actually disciplines? What is discipline? It's simply instruction and correction for the benefit of the child or of the student. How many of you know something about this from personal experience? How many of you know that because God loves us, he disciplines? You know, the most obvious discipline is simply the conviction of the Holy Spirit in our hearts when we know that something is wrong. We've done something. We've said something. We've thought something. And God convicts us and we correct. Isn't it? You know, there's a, a wonderful blessing associated with discipline that I hope you've realized by now. And that is, if God speaks to your heart about a behavior of any kind or an attitude of any kind or something that's not, and, and you correct it in the Spirit right there with God, it's not going to damage your life and overflow and hurt the lives of others. But guess what? If you don't correct it, when God reveals it to you, if you let it manifest, your heart will become harder. You will become irresponsible. It's only a matter of time until that hurts you and others. And so really, discipline is really the easy way to keep your life on track. Wow. God will deal with you in your heart. What a wonderful thing that is. But we won't listen to God if we are hard-hearted, if we are defending our attitudes, our opinions, our wants. So we need to humble ourselves to the Lord and accept His discipline. Now, as God deals with us, God has a way of, you know, the word sounds harsh, but of breaking our heart and healing our heart and strengthening us in the character of Christ that the transformation where we become more and more like Jesus is taking place on a daily basis. But guess what? You can stop that whenever you want. You can block it. You can slow it down. You can eliminate it simply by pride and self-will and resisting the discipline of the Lord. <clears throat> Let's continue. Principle six. Oh boy, 
This is a rich description, verses 13 through 24, and we don't have time to read all of it today. I think we need to come back to this. But this is about wisdom and how we need to seek it, value it more than silver or gold or precious rubies. Nothing is more important to have understanding and discernment and good judgment. Is it a priority in our life? We think about how much people spend to get a good education. I spend a lot. How about you? Most people do today that seek an education. How many of you know that wisdom is much more valuable than any education that we've sought? How many of you know that you've got to have God's wisdom to know even how to use that education? And so... The Bible says to value that wisdom. Seek after it. And I'm running out of time this morning, so I can tell I'm going to have to come back to this next week. But let me continue with the principles, and then we'll follow through next week. I really think this wisdom issue is important in the beginning of this, this year. Principle number seven. Oh, this, was a, this is a big one. Verses 25 to 26. Have no fear, hear this, have no fear of sudden disaster or the ruin that overtakes the wicked. For the Lord will be your confidence and keep your foot from being snared. What does this mean? We have no reason to fear. Why? Because we fear God, we don't have to fear anything else, anyone else, any circumstances. Is God greater than anything you might face? Absolutely. And so we don't have to fear illness or accident or storms or disasters or calamity. In childlike trust, we put our confidence in God and we know He's going to see us through. How many of you can, can look back and see where God was able to keep you through circumstances that you thought were going to be too much for you? How many of you can see that? And it happens over and over. Don't, why don't we learn? Trust God. There's nothing to be afraid of. Principle 8, verses 27 and 28. Do not withhold good from those who deserve it. This is a readiness to do the right thing for others, to be generous, to be kind, to be supportive, which is the wisdom of God. Principle 9. Do not plot harm against your neighbor. No evil devices, no thoughts of harm or revenge. Getting even to be free from that in the wisdom of God. We know that we do not hold a grudge or think badly of any person. And then finally, principle 10. This is a hard one sometimes, and we as Christians have to face this. Do not envy a violent man, or choose any of his way. And this violent man, as you look in there, is really the wholeness of a rebellious man or men living outside the will of God. Now, excuse me, but sometimes I hear Christians talk about so-and-so who became so successful or so wealthy, and there's almost a, a tone in that of, why didn't that happen to me? Or I wish I could have that, that benefit or that privilege or that... Listen... God says, don't even begin to think that way because whatever you have in him is so much greater than any person outside his kingdom will ever experience. 
Don't compare your life to others, especially those who seem to, to be blessed outside of God's provision. That kind of thinking only leads to a kind of emptiness and resentment towards God that will not produce the wisdom worthy of his children. Well, we're going to wind things up here and move into our communion service, and I'm going to come back and take some more time to talk about wisdom and those principles that we just uh, barely had time to touch. But can I just bring it all down to this? Hey, here we are, first Sunday of the new year. We have no idea what kind of challenges we're going to be facing in this new year. How important it is to humble ourselves before God, to renew our relationship with Him, our priorities before Him, to participate in communion as we say, God, you are the most important thing in my life. If there's any sin in our lives, confess it to get free from it. If there are any unsure commitments to Him and His purpose, His will, and living for Him and serving, to shore that up and say, God, I'm going to put you first. How many of you would really like to have 2014 to be the best year of your life so far? You know how it begins? Right here. It can be. It will be. If we let God have His way with us, in us, through us. How many of you would like to, at the end of 2014, look back and say, Oh my, what a wonderful year. Because God helped me to put Him first. And look at the blessing. Look at the fruitfulness. Just because... Put my trust in His promise. Absolutely. Let's pray together. Oh God, we need Your help as we always do. But Lord, by Your Spirit, Lord, we, we, Lord, we're enlightened to the fact that we don't have to live the way the world lives. We don't have to live the way we've been living, oh God, where we've been falling short of Your glory. Help us, oh God, even this morning, oh God, even this morning, to open our hearts to what you will do to manifest your special wisdom which comes from above. Thank you, Lord.